Thank you for tuning in to the International Family Church podcast for our current series, Saved People Serve People. If you're in the greater Boston area, please visit intlfamilychurch.com for more info about our service times. Coming up on July 14th is a nationwide initiative called Serve Day. Our mission for Serve Day is to reach out to the community to make a difference in the lives of individuals and organizations in need. If you would like to make an impact, we encourage you to check out the different opportunities we have going on July 14th. You can play an important role in helping others by spreading the love of Jesus in the greater Boston area and beyond. Visit intlfamilychurch.com for more info to sign up for the various opportunities available. But sign up fast, space is limited. Be sure to mark your calendars for Serve Day July 14th and get ready to make a difference in the lives of those around you. Now, here's today's message. Amen. Well, this morning, I'm going to talk to you and share from my heart to your heart about a servant's heart. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the opportunity we have to come together today. Thank you for your presence that's here. Lord, it was just such a joy to worship you. We thank you for the presence of God that's here today. And Father, we thank you for the anointing of the Holy Spirit who lives and abides within us today. We ask him to be our guide and our teacher this morning. Open up the eyes of our understanding. Open up our heart to receive. Cause us to be swift to respond to the word of the Lord today. We ask it in Jesus' name. And everyone said amen. 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 I'll put a takeaway up on the screen. Our takeaway for today is God anoints those who have a servant's heart. God anoints those who have a servant's heart. And I want to start by sharing uh, about the life of King David. David was a man who was anointed by the Spirit of God. There's a story in uh, 1 Samuel chapter 16 that we're going to read this morning as we start in this, uh, the second part of this series. So 1 Samuel chapter 16, and I'm reading from the NLT version. I'm going to read from verses 1 to 13. So let's just take time to read the account where God called Samuel to go and anoint the next king of Israel, who was David. Now, at that time, Saul was the king of Israel, but he was not pleasing to God. And so uh, God was raising up a new leader for the children of Israel. And we read in 1 Samuel chapter 16, beginning with verse 1, Now the Lord said to Samuel, You have mourned long enough for Saul. I have rejected him as king of Israel. So fill your flask with olive oil and go to Bethlehem. Find a man named Jesse who lives there, for I have selected one of his sons to be my king. But Samuel asked, How can I do that? If Saul hears about it, he will kill me. The Lord replied, take a heifer with you and say that you have come to make a sacrifice to the Lord and invite Jesse to the sacrifice and I will show you which of his sons to anoint for me. So Samuel did as the Lord instructed. And when he arrived at Bethlehem, the elders of the town came trembling to meet him. What's wrong? They asked. Do you come in peace? Yes, Samuel replied, I have come to sacrifice the Lord. Purify yourselves and come with me to the sacrifice. It's it's interesting here in this, this portion of Scripture, you know, they were afraid of Samuel. He was very well respected throughout the nation of Israel. And it was in a time where Israel had idols on every hill. And so they were thinking the prophet is coming to pronounce judgment on us. That's why they were scared. That's why they had that kind of a reply. But no, Samuel was coming to Bethlehem to anoint the next king of Israel. 
The scripture reads on. Then Samuel performed the purification rite for Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice too. And when they arrived, Samuel took one, of, took one look at Eliab and thought, surely this is the Lord's anointed. Well, Eliab was the oldest of eight of Jesse's sons, but only seven were there for this purification rite. But notice the Lord's response. The Lord said to Samuel, don't judge by his appearance or height, for I have rejected him. The Lord doesn't see the things the way you see them. People judge by outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. Then Jesse told his son Abinadab to step forward and walk in front of Samuel. But Samuel said, this is not the one the Lord has chosen. Next, Jesse summoned Shemiah, but Samuel said, neither is this one the Lord has chosen. And in the same way, all seven of Jesse's sons were presented to Samuel, but Samuel said to Jesse, the Lord has not chosen any of these. Now, where was the eighth one? Well, the story reads on, then Samuel asked, are these all the sons you have? Jesse replied, there is still the youngest. Everybody say, the youngest. There is still the youngest. But he's out in the field watching sheep and goats. Samuel said, send for him at once. We will not sit down to eat until he arrives. So Jesse sent for him. And his youngest is David here. He was dark and handsome. I don't know if he was tall, dark, and handsome like Pastor Mo, but he was dark and handsome with beautiful eyes. And the Lord said, this is the one. Anoint him. So as David stood there among his other seven brothers, Samuel took the flask of oil that he had brought, and he anointed David with the oil. And notice what the scripture says. The Spirit of the Lord came powerfully. Everybody say powerfully. And the Spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David from that day on. Now, if Samuel was so well respected throughout Israel, why didn't Jesse prepare his youngest son to be there with the other seven? Because Jesse dismissed him as young, he was just a boy, insignificant, unimportant. In fact, the Hebrew word here for youngest is katan. And it means just that, small, insignificant, and unimportant. But God saw something different. Because God wasn't looking on the outward appearance. He was looking on the what? He was looking on the what? He saw the unseen part of David, his heart. Amen. And that's what we're going to look at this morning. Now, what did God see in David? David was in the fields taking care of business for his father. God saw David in the field 
What did he see? Well, we have to, to go up to the next chapter where David is giving testimony to Saul, who is freaking out and fretting because the Philistine, you know the story of the Philistine, Goliath, was taunting all of the armies of Israel, and everyone was cowering in fear. And David was ready to step in and slay Goliath, the Philistine. But listen to his testimony here in 1 Samuel chapter 17 as he talks about his experience serving his father's sheep. 1 Samuel 17, verse 32, and again, I'm reading from the NLT. It says, don't worry about this Philistine, David told Saul. I'll go fight him. Now, remember, he's small. In man's appearance, David is small, unimportant, insignificant. He's just a boy. Are you with me? David tells Saul, I'll go fight him. Saul replies, don't be ridiculous. There's no way you can fight this Philistine and possibly win. You're only a boy. And he's been a man of war since his youth. But David persisted. Now listen to what he says and catch this. I have been taking care of my father's sheep and goats. What did God see David doing in the field? Taking care of the father's sheep. And he goes on and he says, when a lion or bear comes to steal a lamb from the flock, I go after it with a club and rescue the lamb from its mouth. And if the animal turns on me, I catch it by the jaw and club it to death. Did you hear what he just said? Man, he had a spirit of faith on his life. Have you ever been in, you ever see, if we could have a life-size bear here on the stage or a life-size lion weighing hundreds of pounds and probably, you know, 500 PSI jaw strength and, and David went after it. When a lion or a, lamb, a, a, lion or a bear would snatch a, a sheep, he would go after it. He cared for the sheep. He protected the sheep. He put his life on the line for the sheep. What did God saw or see? Thank you. He saw a man that he could use for his glory and for his honor. He saw what no other person saw. He saw him in his, in his private place caring for the father's sheep, protecting the sheep, going after the predators of the sheep. Now notice he goes on and says to Saul, who was in unbelief and in fear, he said, I have done this to both lions and bears, plural, and I'll do it to this pagan Philistine too, for he has defied the armies of the living God. And listen to what he says. He says, the Lord who rescued me from the claws of the lion and the bear will rescue me from this Philistine. Man, I'll tell you what, that is a spirit of faith. That is a spirit of faith. He believed that God was not just with him, but God was for him in his battles, in his tests. And this is the quality that God saw in the heart of David. 
Number one, he cared for his father's sheep. Number two, he protected the sheep. He put his life on the line for their protection. And number three, he believed God. He believed God. You know, when you study the life of David, you can read through First uh, Samuel, Second Samuel, and into First Kings. The Spirit of God was powerful on King David's life. Just look at all the accomplishments that he achieved. It wasn't because of natural ability. It was because the Spirit of God came upon his life. God took a shepherd boy, young, unimportant in the eyes of men, insignificant in the eyes of men, placed his spirit upon him so that God could accomplish his purposes, not just for a family, but for an entire nation. Think of some of the, uh, the achievements over his lifetime. Because of the anointing that was on his life, he attracted powerful military leaders. There's a record of over 37 military leaders. I mean, who kicked butt. They put the enemies of Israel on the run. What attracted them to David? There was something on his life. You look and see about the time when there's a story about Obed-Edom. He had the Ark of the Covenant in his house, and David saw that the blessing of God was upon him, and good things were happening to him, and he realized, hey, we need to bring that Ark into Jerusalem. He conquered Jerusalem. He brought the ark back to Jerusalem. He established worship 24-7. Amen. And he wrote the book of Psalms. He didn't do that out of personality or giftedness. He did that because of something that was placed upon his life. The anointing, the Holy Spirit. He established a very strong economy a very strong military. He secured peace and prosperity for that nation for the next generation. He also left a legacy for the coming Messiah, the son of David, Jesus Christ. Amen. How did he accomplish all of those things? He didn't do it by himself. He had the spirit of God upon his life. Now think about that. Think about your own life. Maybe labels were put on you by your peers or your parents or your pat or even yourself. God does not see you as insignificant or unimportant. Amen. You're his son, you're his daughter. He values you and he's given you the Holy Spirit. And he wants to put that Holy Spirit who lives in you, he wants the Holy Spirit to come upon you for service. Can you say amen? Now listen to what God said about David's life. Why did God so powerfully anoint the life of David? Acts 13, 22 says this, God removed Saul and replaced him with David, a man about whom God said, I have found David, son of Jesse, a man after my own heart. Did you get that? A man after my own heart. He will do everything I want him to do. So we see that the secret to the anointing on David's life was his attitude. Yeah. 
His attitude, his heart for God. His heart was after God. What does it mean to have a heart after God? It means you embrace the purposes of God for your life. It means you surrender to the will of God for your life. It means you put yourself second place and you put God first place. That is the heart of the servant. And God was fully confident that whatever he instructed David to do, he would do it. Now, I've heard lots of sermons about David and his mistakes and indiscretions and moral failures. Haven't you? Yet, when he was confronted by the prophet Nathan, he repented and he got back on track. Aren't you glad God is a God of a second chance? Amen. Aren't you glad for forgiveness and restoration and reconciliation? Amen. But God is looking to place his spirit upon people, upon his people. But there's a qualification that must be met. We must have a servant's heart. God anoints those who have a servant's heart. Do you have a servant's heart this morning? Let's look at the son of David. Jesus was anointed by God. Can you say amen? I mean, you can read through the Gospels and you can see just exactly what that anointing did through the life and ministry of Jesus. Pastor shared this scripture last week in, in, in the series in Luke chapter 4, verse 17 to 18. Jesus was making his debut. He went to the synagogue and he opened up the scroll of Isaiah. And he found the place where it was written about him. He found himself in the scripture. And so he opened up the scroll and he read, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim the captives, to, excuse me, to proclaim that captives will be released, that the blind will see, and that the oppressed will go free. Just what happened in the life and ministry of Jesus. As he stepped into that synagogue and made his debut, he announced, this day is the scripture fulfilled in your ears. And from that point on, the spirit of God worked powerfully through a man by the name of Jesus Christ. You might say, well, he's God. Yes, he is God. But he ministered as a man anointed by the Holy Spirit of God. Everything Jesus did, he attributed to the Holy Spirit and he attributed to the works of his Father. Amen? That same anointing that came upon Jesus is the same anointing that took up residence in our heart. And it is the same anointing that will come upon you to be a blessing to someone else. Are you with me? If you were to read through the Gospels, I encourage you to just sit down and read through the Gospel of Mark. You'll find 19 power-packed miracles. You can read in just one hour's time. Just read through it. You see the demonstrations of God's power through the hands of Jesus. It was all because of the Spirit of God coming upon him. Amen. Acts 10.38 really is a summary of the four Gospels. You want to know what Jesus is all about. Acts 10.38. Everybody say Acts 10.38. Yeah. 
Acts 10, 38 summarizes and epitomizes the life and ministry of Jesus. And it also gives us a clear picture of what God wants to do in us corporately, but in you as an individual. God wants to use you. Tap somebody and say, God wants to use you. He wants to use you. It's not based on your abilities, your personality, your charisma, your background, what you have, what you don't have. It doesn't matter about that. It doesn't matter about that at all. All he needs is a heart that is willing to serve him and surrender to him. And he'll place that precious, most powerful anointing on your life to make a difference in someone else's life. Acts 10.38. Everybody say Acts 10.38. You know that God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. And Jesus went around doing good. Say, doing good. good. Are you a do-gooder? Ask your neighbor, you do-gooder? You better be doing good. Jesus went around doing good and healing all who were oppressed for the devil, for God was with him. Read the Gospels, and you will get the heart of the Father for his sheep. God is all about reconciling. He's all about restoring. He's all about healing. He's all about forgiveness. If that doesn't scream out loud to you, then you need to get back in the book and read those Gospels until you are fully convinced, amen, Amen. that God is a forgiver. God is a healer. God is a restorer. God is a lover. David said, he's the lover of my soul. Hallelujah. Amen. He looks past our faults. He looks past our sins. He looks past our iniquities. He doesn't look for perfection. He looks for a perfect heart that says, God, I'll serve you. I'll surrender my life to you. Amen. Now, there's a secret here that Jesus walked in. And if we'll take a look at this scripture in Philippians chapter 2, we'll discover the secret that he operated in, that you and I can operate in every single day of our life. It's found in Philippians chapter 2, verse 5 through 8. And it all has to do about your attitude. I'm about to talk about your attitude. I'm going to step on some soft spots here. I'm going to talk about your attitude. Pastor Mo. I'm going to talk about your attitude. Brian, I'm going to talk about your attitude. Yeah, he picked us it up on the front row. So, Philippians 2, verse 5 to 8. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Now, listen to this very closely. Though he was God, was Jesus God? Fully God, 100% God. He did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God. In fact, his obedience was so radical, he submitted it to a cruel execution of the Roman cross. He laid it all down. Do you remember the time when he was just about to go to the cross? He sat down with his disciples. Pastor mentioned it earlier in the series. He disrobed himself. 
He got on his hands and knees and performed the most menial task, and that was to wash the feet of his disciples. And their feet, I'm sure, was smelly and dirty, and he got down, and he began to minister and wash his disciples' feet. And you remember what Peter said? Peter said, oh, no, Lord, don't, don't do me. Don't do me. He says, Peter, if you don't allow me to minister to you, you have no place in me. We have to allow Jesus to minister to us first before we can effectively minister to anyone else with the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 Jesus humbled himself. Who does God place his anointing upon? Those who will humble themselves to God and say, not my way, but your will be done. Amen. Amen. That's a prayer we can pray every single day before you leave the door of your house. You can say, Father, your will be done today. I surrender my will to you. The Holy Spirit is a gentleman. He never forces himself on anyone. He always leads. He always guides. He always prompts. He always whispers. He's a gentleman. He treats us gently. But when we say to the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, I humble myself under your mighty hand. Father, I surrender my will to yours. Guess what he does? He will come upon you for service. He will use you as his instrument to bring life change to someone in need. I want to be in that position. Listen, there's no greater opportunity. There's no greater experience to know that God put his anointing upon you to be a blessing to someone else. Whether it's sharing the gospel, whether it's praying for the sick, whether it's encouraging someone who's down and oppressed and lifting them up, there's no greater joy and there's no greater sense of contentment and purpose than to be used by God. Would you agree to that? So the key to the anointing here in Jesus' life, though he was a son, yet he became a servant. And you and I are sons of God. Ladies, that includes you. We're all sons of God. God raised us up to a high status. We are seated with Christ in heavenly places. We can pray just like Jesus prayed and get the same answers and results that Jesus did. That, that's that's mind-boggling. You've been raised up. Join heirs with Jesus Christ. We're sons of the Most High God. We're righteous in His sight. We have the peace of God. We have the greater one who lives within us. I mean, we are so rich and so blessed. Amen. We are sons. But here's how the anointing comes upon your life. You say, I am a servant. You identify yourself as a servant of God. I surrender myself to you, Father. I'm here to do your will, Father, in Jesus' name. God's anointing will come upon you when you embrace the call to serve his purposes. God will make you a godsend. You know what a godsend is? Amen. You're not a mistake going somewhere to happen. No, no. You are a blessing going somewhere to happen. When your life intersects with someone who's in need of God's touch, God's anointing will come upon you to be a blessing into their life. Either through your mouth, through your hands, through your feet, whatever it is that God chooses to do, He will anoint you to be a blessing. Amen. First, we need to understand something. And let's just make this perfectly clear. You have an anointing already in you. 
Unlike David, he didn't have the Holy Spirit present within him because he was not born again. Jesus had not gone to the cross. But you and I are on the other side of the cross. You and I have the Spirit of God within us. 1 John 2.20 says, You have received an anointing from the Holy One. God smeared Himself on you. Amen. That's what anointing means. He smeared Himself upon you. In other words, your spirit has been smeared upon by the Spirit of God. You've been regenerated. He lives in you. The presence of God is in you. That's why you can sense His peace and the witness of the Holy Spirit. Why? Because He lives in you. Amen. And he lives there, verse 27 tells us, that the anointing which you have received will teach you all things. He's your personal guide. He's your GPS. He's the one that's going to lead you through all life decisions. Amen. He'll guide you with his peace. That's a wonderful thing. But there's a whole other dynamic when you choose to make yourself a servant to someone who is in need. When you choose to put yourself in the shoes of another man or another woman that doesn't know Jesus or is dealing with, I mean, there's so many things people are dealing with today. And you make yourself a servant, that anointing that lives within you will come upon you for service. And that's what happened on the day of Pentecost. In Acts chapter 1, verse 8, 120 disciples were gathered together, and, and Jesus told them, do you wait for the promise of the Father from on high? He will empower you for service. Acts 1.8, you shall receive power. Everybody say power. power. We're singing about that. The name of Jesus brings power. Didn't you sense that, that, that anointing in that song? The Holy Spirit came upon the church for what purpose? To empower for service. To empower to be a blessing to someone else. So I want to encourage you this morning on three points as we close here this morning. To embrace the call to serve. Embrace the call to serve. Don't be a spectator. Be a participator. Engage in the work of God. We are called not to a church. We are called to a community. So first thing, three points here as I close. Number one, embrace the call to serve your community. It's not just the church. It's not just what happens here on Sunday morning. It's the community in which we live. We're salt and light. And Paul said this in Romans 1.16, I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God under salvation, healing, deliverance, preservation. Amen. We're part of the company of the unashamed. I'm not ashamed of my father. I'm not ashamed of the presence of God. I'm not ashamed of the message that cleaned me up and set me free from my past. I'm not ashamed of any of it. Why would I want to keep it to myself? Amen. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you, He will make you bold. Now, when I say bold, it doesn't mean you start yelling at the top of your lungs and spits flying out of your mouth and you're getting that glazy-eyed and wild-eyed look. And say, Whoa, wow, he's bold. He says, That's not bold. Boldness is of the heart. It's the confidence that God gives you to speak in the face of fear, to speak in the face of intimidation, and do it the way you like to do it, with your personality, with your touch, 
If you're soft-spoken, you can be bold, soft-speaking. If you're always wild-eyed and crazy, well, praise the Lord. He'll make you bold that way. It doesn't change your personality. He gives you an inner boldness and a confidence. I'm part of the company of the unashamed. I'm not ashamed of my father. I'm not ashamed of what he's done for me. Why would I hold it to myself? So number one, embrace the call to serve your community. You have a sphere of influence that God has entrusted in your life. Secondly, obviously, we're called to serve our church. And one of the most powerful ways you can serve your church every day is to pray in the Holy Spirit. In Ephesians 6.18, the NLT version says, Pray in the Spirit at all times, and on every occasion, every occasion, stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers. Remember David in the field? He was caring for the sheep. He was protecting the sheep. You know, they, he, my picture of him in the field, they didn't have fences. He would graze them and, and walk with them and there, there wouldn't be any sort of natural fences to protect the sheep. He'd have to go after any predator with a club. Amen. When you pray in the Holy Spirit, you're like David with that club. You're going after that predator. You're not coming in this church. You're not touching my brother, my sister. You're not touching my pastor. When you're praying in the Holy Spirit, listen, the Holy Spirit wrote this through Paul. He said, pray at all times in the Spirit. Many times when you're praying in the Holy Spirit, you're praying for the body. You're praying for the body. Yeah, you can be building yourself up, but there are many times you may not even realize that as you're praying in the Holy Spirit, you're praying for the body's protection, the body's blessing. And that's an area of service. If you'll say, God, use me in the area of prayer, the Holy Spirit will come upon you powerfully. And you'll have some amazing experiences in prayer as you lay it down in service for your church. And number three, we're called to serve the one. Everybody say the one. Everybody knows one person whose life is a wreck, whose life is in the dark, imprisoned, in bondage. Everyone knows someone. And we're called to be that one. Remember what David did? He went after the one that was caught by a predator. He had the heart for the one. Jesus had the heart for the one. We close with this scripture, great parable in Luke 15. He's sitting down with, tax, with uh, sinners and, and tax collectors and having fellowship with them. And, and as his custom was, he would go and have fellowship with them and teach them and share with them. And, and the Pharisees saw that and they were upset by it. So Jesus gave this parable. He said, if a man has a hundred sheep and one of them gets lost, what will he do? Won't he leave the 99 others in the wilderness and go to search for the one that is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he will joyfully carry it home on his shoulders. You ever see one of those pictures of Jesus with the lamb on the shoulders? When he arrives, he will call together his friends and neighbors saying, rejoice with me because I have found my lost sheep. In the same way, there is more joy in heaven over one lost sinner who repents and returns to God than over 99 others who are righteous and haven't strayed away. 
That's God's heart. God's heart longs for those who are outside the fold, who are dealing with life's stuff and being overwhelmed. And God will supernaturally lead you to intersect with the one who needs God's touch. They need an encouraging word. Amen. And when you make yourself available, it's amazing how the Holy Spirit will use his people. He will give you words to say that you will marvel. He will give you things to see about people that will help you minister supernaturally. Let them know how much God knows about their situation and God loves them. Amen. I want the Spirit of God to come upon my life to be a blessing to my community, my church, and for the one outside these doors that would never, ever set foot in a church, no matter what you do, no matter how you, you know, change the music or, uh, you know, all the, the outward appearances of things that we try to do to attract people to church. That's all fine and good, but there are some people, they will never set foot in a church until they've had an encounter with someone that had the Spirit of God upon their life. That's us. Say, that's me. Did you receive something today? Amen. Let me say that one more time. Our, Our key takeaway is God anoints those who have a servant's heart. Let's all say that together. God anoints those who have a servant's heart. Do you have a servant's heart today? I pray that you do. And I believe we do. We're working on it. Like a tennis player works on that serve arm. That serve arm's probably twice the size of the other arm, but they're working that serve till they can score an ace. I'm working on my serve. How many are working on your serve today? Are you working on your serve today? Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you for the call that's upon our life to serve you, to serve our community, to serve our church to be a light and, and, and a beacon to those around us in our community, to, to, to the ones that we know, to that one that's hurting and broken and needs your touch, to that one that may never set their foot inside of a church. God, we say, have your way in our life. We surrender our heart to you. We want to be after your heart, your purpose. Your will. So, Father, right now, we just rededicate ourselves. Though we are sons, we make ourselves servants of the Most High God. Come upon us, Holy Spirit. Use us to be a godsend in someone's life. We pray this in Jesus' name. And everyone said amen. If you're here today, I'd just like to extend an invitation to anyone that might be here today. This is your first Sunday with us, or maybe you're new here at the church and someone's been inviting you to church. And so you're here this morning. I want to extend an invitation to you today. If you do not know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, this is your opportunity right here and now. You're not here by accident. And perhaps there's one or two people here that might be here today in this service. And you do not know Jesus but you want to embrace him as your Lord and Savior. You want to receive him into your life. God has a plan for your life. He wants to heal. He wants to restore. He wants to forgive. If you're here today while everyone's praying and reverencing the presence of God that's here, if 
you're here today and you would like to pray that prayer with me, I want to lead you in a simple prayer. Maybe someone's watching online. There could be someone watching online right now that's hearing this for the first time. Pray this prayer with me today. If there's anybody like that, just while eyes are closed, would you raise your hand so I can see if there's anyone here today that would like to pray this prayer for the first time? Just raise your hand. I'm not going to call you forward. This is just between you and God. Anybody at all? If not here, maybe online. And for the sake of the one that might be online, let's all pray this prayer together. God in heaven, I believe that you sent Jesus to die on the cross for my sins. Jesus, I accept you as my Lord, as my Savior. From this day and forward, I will follow you the rest of my life. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. God bless you. Love you. Thanks for listening. To stay connected, check out intlfamilychurch.com or follow us on Instagram. Our mission at International Family Church is to help you know God for yourself, to find freedom in your life, to discover your God-given purpose, and to help you make a difference in the lives of those around you. One of the easiest ways you can help us do that is simply by sharing this podcast and connecting with us online. You can do so by subscribing, leaving a review on iTunes, or sharing it with your friends on Facebook. Thanks again for listening. We'll see you next time.